awesome uh, content, like programming that's coming out, like sure. interventions and things. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, when love you're ready, that. shoot me a note and I'll connect you. Perfect. Yeah, because Woods Bay Foundation is so great too, and I know they get a lot of love and a lot of attention, recognition, and whatnot. And I think the point of my show now, it was about you know having like artists on and whatnot, which is still gonna be the thing, but people that watch my show are kids just like me like on twitter stuff like that a lot of their information they get is from there so i want to kind of merge that connection between what's going on in these important organizations to those kids just scrolling on twitter and you know right so that would be amazing cool hey everybody welcome to a very special episode of me myself and i'm joey g and we're talking to somebody really special today somebody who i've been meaning to talk to for a minute now and with divine timing, it worked out. And I'm super thankful for him being here. And I'm super thankful for the work him and his team do to our community and how much they help those in need. And yeah, it's about to be a really fun conversation. I'm very excited to have him here. It is the president and executive director of the Ali Forney Center, as well as board secretary of the Born This Way Foundation, Alex Roquet. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, of course. Can you let everybody know what AFC is for those who may not know? Sure. The Ali Forney Center is the nation's largest and most comprehensive organization dedicated to housing and caring for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender young people. These are young people who are kicked out of their homes and thrown out into the streets simply because of who they are. Each year, we see over 2,000 youth who've known the heartache and heartbreak of family rejection. Through our work, we help young people rebuild their lives, offering very specific and very critical mental health services, mm -hmm. medical services, substance use services, as well as housing, educational programming, and career programming to help uh, these folks find pathways for themselves. Uh, in New York, we operate 18 sites across the city. We also operate with 44 partners across the U.S., and we operate with 10 partners around the world. Amazing. What made you want to get into nonprofit work to begin with? Because I know you've had involvement in other organizations, other charities, Sure. Yeah. You know, I've been in the nonprofit field my entire life. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a nonprofit. I'm from an immigrant family. Yeah. And uh, really through the system that I was in, I was, you know, availed myself of nonprofit organizations and the impact they have. And I was one of the first students or clients to work for the organization that I grew up in. Right. And that formed my life, uh, knowing the impact that I benefit, benefited from being a, a client yeah. and, and the impact that I was able to have on the program side. And I've been in nonprofit now for 25 years. That's amazing. So your experience benefiting it from that experience inspired you to go and pursue and kind of return the favor. That's right. It changed my life. To those, yeah. How do you get started in nonprofit? Because it's such a big world to dive into. And when you come from it, how do you get your first footstep into the world of nonprofit? There's so many ways to get into nonprofit. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the ways that I encourage most folks to do is to volunteer. Find an organization, find a cause, find an, uh, an issue that is important to you or that speaks to you and find out ways to volunteer and understand the organization, understand how it works. Also, a lot of organizations have entry-level jobs that help you understand mm -hmm. the work. Uh, like at the Ali Forney Center, uh, some of the entry-level work that we have is really important, critical work directly with our clients. Yeah. And many of our coworkers have come in through entry-level works and today are um, actually executive directors along with me in the work that we do. So there's so many pathways to success in nonprofit. Um, more than anything, follow your passion, follow your heart, follow yeah. what speaks to you. Yeah, and that's what stood out to me about AFC is that it feels like there's really room for everybody and not just clients, people who want to contribute. Like we are just brainstorming ideas before we started recording. Like there's a way to contribute. Everybody has their own uniqueness that they could bring to AFC as long as it involves benefiting those that are clients of AC, which, are, which really stood out to me about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. The, the, the nonprofit work that I have the opportunity to do and, and have done, I always know that I'm making a difference, right. Mm -hmm. And that I'm, there's an impact and statistically for LGBTQ young people, having one affirming adult in a LGBTQ young person's life can reduce suicidal ideation by 40%. Yeah. So in LGBT services, when you get to work with queer LGBTQ young people, you, by being an affirming voice, by being an affirming person, you're actually helping to save lives in, in, in this very human connection way. Um, and, and that's what I am so humbled and grateful by consistently. 
Yeah, and I, I was, when I was doing my research before this interview, like, I was thinking about that, you know, you guys provide shelter, food, the very physical, tangible things that people need to survive. But it seems like what AOC brings is community, a chosen family, which those all sound like very cliche, like woo-woo things. But those are so important because a lot of these kids were kicked out of their families or, you know, tossed away by loved ones. And it just reminds people that community comes first. That's what's important. And you could get that at AFC. So what has community and kind of that nature of having a chosen family, how's that kind of shown up in AFC? You know, that's absolutely so right. And, and yeah. exactly what's at the core of our work mm -hmm. is building acceptance, affirmation, care, support for our young people. What the queer community has known for our, the entirety of our existence, our chosen family, the family who understands us, yeah. who accepts us, who affirms us, who lifts us up, who, who embraces us. Mm -hmm. And that's what's the core of the work that we do, right? Helping our young people have that community, have that safe space. And far and, and, and above anything else, that's what we all need. You know, we're, we're, we're all searching for that. And um, what's fundamentally damaging about the the experiences of our young people is that they're being rejected and denied love by the people who are supposed to accept them and love them unconditionally mm -hmm. and and i've spoken about this before we learn love from our parents our, 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 like our, our parents are yeah the guide of of that like they teach us how to accept love how to give love what mm -hmm. love looks like and when that love is broken or not granted um your compass is broken Completely. and 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 you spend your life trying to heal from that. And and for, for the queer community, it's been that. Our compass has been broken because of homophobia, because of transphobia, because of hate. And that's how our chosen family came to be. For our young people who, who learn that hate at such much younger ages, um, AFC works to repair, to connect, to build. Yeah, and I like the point that you bring up about repairing and the compass of love being broken because people don't realize how much of an effect that has on our personal lives. You know, a bunch of people, if their compass of love is broken, they fall into bad relationships or hang out the wrong circles just because they think they deserve a lesser quality of love. Maybe that's just because that's what they grew up with. So I love that idea of not just repairing, you know, their future and things like jobs and setting them up for success, but really setting them up for success inside, mentally, love, and just shaping people into being better human beings and wanting better for themselves because they deserve it, especially those at AFC who have probably seen things I can't even imagine. That's right. That's right. It, it, it is. And, and fundamentally, all this opportunity to do nonprofit work, community-based work, community service work, it really is about being better people. It's about creating a better world and about um, creating better, stronger, braver, courageous spaces for people. Yeah, completely. What was, did you have a specific kind of journey with the whole lesson of chosen family? Like, what was that lesson for you like growing up in your situation, if you don't mind sharing? And how was that applied to keep you motivated when it comes to going into AFC every morning and getting to work? on people who might have shared the same life? You know, for me personally, I, I come from a very broken family, from, from you know, mental health issues at home, substance use issues at home, uh, the barriers of being an immigrant family, of growing up in the system, of growing up on public assistance, and on uh, then also having homophobic parent, mm -hmm. you know, who was just really damaging um i had that safe space right the nonprofit that i was yeah. uh, a part of was my safe space was my community and it's not that i came to those spaces and spoke about what i was facing it's just that i came to those spaces to get away from from the danger and yeah. what, I was ex what i was experiencing and at the same time being in community with others who who i'm sure had different experiences as well um and at the olifornia center for our coworkers and for our clients, it is that community, it is that safe space where we come together, um, where we trust each other, where we build each other, where we can cry with each other and where we can heal together. And um, it's just incredibly uh, beautiful and, and a, a fulfilling experience to, to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, completely. And the point you make up about 
having homophobic parents or whatnot, I think it's kind of become almost like a kind of like a weird, sick, like running joke in the community in a way where it's like, oh, like my homophobic uncle or da da da, like this and stuff like that. But that's really serious. You know, as much as like friends may joke about it and be like, yeah, I have to go see like him at Thanksgiving this weekend or whatever, like that that's really serious. And that really does affect people. Like for me, I'm still rewiring a bunch of the homophobia I've experienced internally from my own family. Some family, which like my cousins and uncles still like, I just don't talk to, we don't have any communication because of said issues. And yeah, I think it's just really important to shed light on the actual seriousness of those things. And joking about stuff is fun. And I guess that's our way of like coping in a weird way, especially our community. We find like really niche ways to joke about things and kind of get through them. But they are very serious issues and I'm not realizing that till I've gotten older and I'm like oh this is affecting this issue with my relationship with this person and so and so so I think it's very important to provide those sources you know and give people a space to just exist peacefully yeah you know it's yeah. like such a simple concept and we hate that we have to go through hurdles to achieve such simple concepts but it has to be done well, there, there's yeah. re, there's resilience, right? There, there's so yeah. much resilience in our community, and and it's almost you know inherited from from our our our, our history, mm -hmm. right? That that we have this beautiful resilience as queer people. Now, what's troubling is the emboldenment of hate that that's that's increased, and 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 even the emboldenment of hate within families, where yep. you know you cut people out because of of how it's okay to hate, and um, it's. It's also a matter of life and death for others. Um, how, Absolutely. How, how much hate there is, and and you know the contrast of all that I think is our is our family, our our, our chosen family, our safe spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's still even though it's twenty twenty two, and you know, people think the idea of queerness is accepted. It's really not. If anything, out of the whole queer spectrum, maybe gayness is accepted to a higher matter but if anything it's still a certain type well, i was talking about this the other day with jordan J, the creator of btfa you know it's the whole white gay thing like maybe they're a little bit more set up than other gays of color or other people amongst the queer spectrum there's still the lesbian community there's still the transgender community specifically the transgender people of color they still have so much work to do and i just think allyship within the community is also very important as well so how does ali forney practice and preach the idea of allyship not just you know getting support from the government outside sources how do how do you all breed and kind of keep that allyship within the community still present you know for for all of us knowing our history knowing where we come from mm -hmm. is is perhaps the greatest grounding in the allyship and community in the safe spaces we have to build for each other and with each other. Yeah. And a lot of the work that we do is centered around where we've where our community has struggled, where our community has been othered, where our community has been been murdered uh, on our streets. I mean, we're named after Ali Fournay. Uh, Ali Fournay yeah. was 22 years old when when he was shot on the streets and, and left for dead in in a, in a string of murders that took place of queer black folks on streets of New York City. And um, for us is knowing that you know, not forgetting and where we come from is a constant reminder of the allyship that's needed that we have to work towards. Um, and it's allyship as black and brown people, it's allyship as as white allies, it's mm -hmm. allyship as as trans and non-binary folks um, and, and, and cis folks that that is centered in our in our history and, and where we come from and also like you know for for us it's not lost on us and and, and largely centered that yeah. our movement was started by black by trans queer youth who had nothing to lose yeah and uh we exalt and honor that that history of ours yeah completely and it's something to honor every day every month every year not just during pride that's right you know jordan and i were talking about that the other day as well it's the whole thing of, you know, everybody makes their rent for the next three months in the month of June, you know. So how do you as well as everybody else at AFC make sure attention is given to those daily, monthly, yearly? Whereas some organizations, companies, charities, brands kind of don't and they just use the community just as 
quota meeting, essentially. Yeah, you know, this is our work, right? You know, we we are an LGBTQ organization. Right. Uh, the, the centering of voices, the intersections of our many voices mm -hmm. is something that we work towards. We have programs within the organization for our coworkers and for our clients that are centered around the 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 many experiences the many walks right. the many expressions the many identities that are part of this beautiful rainbow that we have and that are part of the movement moving forward mm -hmm. the, the work ahead that's left for us um so th there is no pause for us there is no break the alley forney center is operational 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 yep. days a year and our work and our commitment our values our our our, our people work is is present in every one of those hours minutes seconds yeah how important is intersectionality? It is incredibly important mm -hmm. that we discuss, that we center, that we identify, and that we elaborate with each other on intersections of, of who we are as folks, uh, as people, as from able-bodied folks to non-able-bodied folks to black folks to brown folks to, to folks from, from other countries that, that mm -hmm. don't fall into the binary of those identities of black and brown. Uh, to the gender expressions and lives of of our of our coworkers and and the fluidity of that um, is is so much part of of who we are like that that's our strength yeah actually, completely right? and that's a superpower if you will mm -hmm. um, so for us it is um, you know center to to who we are as a as a as a movement yeah and you started in 2011 when you were recruiting to. AFC, correct? That's right. What was the identity of AFC then, and what is it now? How has it grown within that time? You know, AFC was started by Carl Siciliano. Mm -hmm. uh, he's our founder, and he devoted his life to the homeless. Uh, he, he, he had gone off to a monastery. He was a monk, and he left the monkhood for um, th this awakening of his identity as a gay person mm -hmm. and went off to work in food kitchens and homeless shelters to live among the homeless, to live among the poor and to give without taking. And it's such a beautiful and noble experience. And, and his life was drastically shaped by his relationship with Ali Fournay. Ali right. Fournay was a young person in his program, uh, someone that stood out as, as, uh, as, as beautiful and noble and passionate about other homeless queer youth and Carl connected with with this young person and and tragically this young person you know being murdered on the streets shaped how Carl would live his life and what he committed to yeah. and, and he committed to never letting Ali Forney's name, name die and it was started with a very humble approach you know six cots in the basement of a church, church yeah. right and um the need was so great that Carl realized that the organization needed to continue to grow. And, and as such, the organization enhanced and evolved over the years. Yeah. And when I joined in 2011, my job was to build the capacity of the organization. Mm -hmm. I, w I was hired by a private foundation that, that you know, I, I reported to along that reported to Carl. And the, the it was hum it was very simple growth, right? Like we we're just to grow to 20% every year. And we yeah. kept knocking those numbers out of the park and, and, and what I realized is that I, I was on this incredibly, you know, fertile and thriving organization that yeah. that had so much potential for growth. Uh, so so I, I joined a very small organization under four million dollar budget, about sixty employees, about forty some odd beds or, or, or sixty some odd beds, mm. and. Our kids needed more, we, we, you know, and yeah. um, we were able to very rapidly make those have that impact and 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 over and consistently year over year over year stay afloat in in face of adversity and financial troubles and um, changing landscapes and homophobic po uh, political climate in our country, which is very yeah. damaging from a funding perspective. Um, so you know, I I I, I, I arrived with a a a, a license to grow and to build and a calling and a demand to do so yeah completely i love that i really do and i was watching like almost like a mini documentary they have on the afc youtube about how they started in the basement of a church six cots and everything 
And it's crazy to think that even at that time, there wasn't any way to keep these kids safe. It was either the streets or church-affiliated programs. And the church to a lot of queer people is a very touchy subject, you know? So I think it's just really nice to see how it was needed back then, especially in the climate when it started in the 90s, but it's still very much needed now, you know? That's right. I think that, you know, we've what we've experienced as a nation is this understanding that there's a very strong, deeply rooted conservative mm-hmm. um, mindset that attaches itself to religion and and, yeah. and to and to God and to holiness. And indeed, it's a complete opposite. You know, God and religion and holiness are beautiful expressions of of spirituality of 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 the human experience, and to yeah. attach such ugliness to it. Uh, in the way that we've done as a nation um, is is not only dangerous and damaging, it's also uh, having a very serious impact on 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 so many lives. Um, we do our best to not, you know, blame religion or the church for for the experiences of our young people, even though ninety percent of our young people, um, tell us that they've left their homes or been kicked out of their homes because of the religious beliefs of their parents, because yeah. their parents is, you know, quote unquote, religion is so deeply rooted that homosexuality and, and, and transgender identities are a sin or against God that they kick their kids out. And, and how, how, how awful is I that? Know. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's really this really misguided and, almost advantageous hateful view that's using religion as a as a shield for for just yeah their own self-hate because it was quote-unquote written in the bible were we there and it was written (laughs) absolutely not so how must we know not to mention god says love your neighbor yeah that means every single neighbor you know and i just believe that both ideas could exist right they really can that's right you know and especially now the holidays coming around you know there's a lot of religious holidays and a lot of religious affiliated activities going on. What would you say to queer people out there that might be, you know, in their first semester of college here in the city, they've fully gotten to liberate and express themselves as they truly want. And now they got to go home for the first time in a minute and see those people with certain beliefs that they don't really want to be affiliated with at the moment. How do those people keep their peace protected? You know, code switching, right? Where yep. they're going from from their experiences and their identities now. You mm-hmm. know, more than anything, be safe. Yeah. Um, do what you need to do to be safe in your homes and your families, and 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 to be in uh, not just physically safe, but psychologically and emotionally yep. safe. And sometimes bringing your realities to homophobic or transphobic spaces can be very dangerous uh, emotionally or physically for you. Mm-hmm. Um, until you have your own stability, until you don't need your family, and and that's like you know it's 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 interesting. It's so much of our history, like you know, for decades, you know, queer folks didn't come out until they were financially stable, uh, until they didn't yep. need their families anymore, and now and, and for so many years we kept you know saying come out and and, and encouraging folks to to live their identities. However, mm-hmm. it's dangerous. Um, uh, on many levels, it can be financially dangerous. It can be emotionally dangerous. It can be physically dangerous. So, if you have to code switch during the holidays, you know, maybe maybe catch COVID before you have to go home, uh, so it's you don't have idea. to go home. You know, I'm not I'm not really suggesting people should catch COVID. However, but, yeah, you know, maybe you have a reason not to go home. Um, but if you do have yeah. to go home, find your gravity, find the center, find the spaces around you that are safe for you. Your friends are safety. Conversations with loved ones who who affirm you are safety. Um, and, and, and also know that the holidays are very difficult. Um, it's a very difficult time, particularly for queer folks who have to contend with their family identities. Mm -hmm. Do you see after years of being with AFC, do you see like an influx of clients come in around the holiday season? You know, we see an influx of clients, um, as the weather changes, mm, um, yeah. the, the, it, it, I wrote about this recently. There, there's this. Um, I'm such an optimist, right? Like I'm, I, my glasses always have full, even when it's empty. Yeah, uh, I've been through so much that I, I can only see the good in, in a sea of bad. 
And um, when the weather changes and the time changes, I my, my optimist heart struggles to what, what will come. Um, yeah. And, and we see the, the greatest increase where the streets become unbearable to sleep on, where um, couch surfing becomes less offered to folks, where, you know, yeah. as the summer ends. And we see some of the darkest days are during the holidays for us um it, it's and it's troubling yeah our, our our young people our clients are reminded more during the holidays than any time of year that they're not welcome at home during the holidays right like when their families are coming together when the entire city explodes in this like beautiful experience of the holidays young lgbtq young folks who have are not welcome at home are reminded they're not welcome at home um and it's when we have the highest incidences of violence, of, 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 of mental health issues, of crisis, of suicidal ideation is, is now during the holidays. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of that, I know you launched AOC's in-house development department. How has that affected the AOC and benefited those clients there? Yeah, our, our, our development work is really our community engagement work, right? Where we mm. go out to our community, where we tell our stories and where we come together um, to raise resources for for the program you know afc's government funding only covers about 70 percent what it costs to operate yeah. so we have to fundraise for the for the rest you know one example is afc is now serving almost 400,000 meals a year right. we only receive about fifty thousand dollars in public funding for that and and this costs us mm -hmm. almost three quarters of a million dollars so we have to fundraise and go to the community so our development work is really back to that point is giving people the opportunity to become better people by helping important work and yeah. um it's it's a really strong foundation of making this work possible for us. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, the word community. You know, we're always asking or waiting for the government or the powers that be at hand to do things and make our lives better, which, like, is so important. We still have to go out every day and vote, but how important does community play a role in making actual changes within our own community, other communities, because I've seen from the work I've seen more things happen and more good changes happen by community to the community, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it reminds me of that quote. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go yeah. far, go together. And we have to challenge going far every day for our clients and for our mm -hmm. work and we can't do it alone. And it, there's so many layers of community. And, and, and one of the ones that recently has been on my mind is the community we built about a decade ago. Our founder, Carl, um, was fighting with the city and the state to raise the age so that we can not have to kick out our, our clients on their 21st birthday. Yeah. Uh, so we can also add more resources and more beds. And Carl built a community of clients within AFC, our adv youth advocates, mm -hmm. that came together through our, our advocacy work and like about a hundred other providers from across the state. And together we built this community that stood to that that stood to demand that the city not continue to take away funding, but rather add funding and to demand that the city raise the age. And then that that, that turned into a state fight. Mm -hmm. Um and it was the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that came together and, and largely centered the youth voices, mm -hmm. the community of youth voices. Um, that made this change, yeah. and and it's interesting because so many of the young people who were fighting for the advocacy and the, or who were advocating, mm -hmm. the policy wasn't even going to help them because they were going to age out right. by the time this policy came on. So, and I can speak of this: our, our donor community is 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 so passionate and so focused on helping us and our in our community and our kids. So, yeah, it's it's the it, it's the only way we get anything done. To be honest, is having the community. Yeah, it's insane how powerful community is one, but the queer community is. Yeah. And I'm reminded of that every time I go out, even if it's like to $3 bill on a Saturday. Yeah, half the people are drunk or on something, but it's you still walk in that room and you could exist peacefully. Maybe I'm saying that from a place of privilege, but still nonetheless, from what I could see around the room, most people look like they could exist peacefully. And... There's been so many productions recently that have done things to benefit community, like Nikki O hosted a event to benefit those victims of the Q Club shooting. And it's just so incredible to see what our community is willing to do, like that point that you make. Just do it alone. We, we're so used to that at this point. All the things that we've dealt with, all the systems that we've been oppressed by, we're just like, you know what? 
pocket. Well, we'll do it ourselves. Yeah. And it's just so admirable to the community for doing that. Yeah. I mean, and look what's happening now, like in New York City with uh, with the druggings and the, and the deaths yep. of, of, of folks from nightclubs. Like now there, there are folks who are coming to clubs and standing outside educating people about yeah. what's happened. And, and with the shooting at, at Q Club, how there's now a, a fund and a community effort to have, you know, bodyguard and support for drag queens and for performers Absolutely. and for queer folks at clubs. And um, it's it's from devastation however it comes from devastation however it's it's beautiful no less to to see how how we build community in, in such um profound ways in, in the face of such pain and hurt and, and and loss and devastation yeah completely what's been the biggest lesson you've learned so far from afc or what's yeah what's the biggest lesson you learned actually one of them if you could pick i know that's such a vague question but You know, one of the greatest lessons of of my work at AFC is the power of passion and the power of um, commitment, um, how you can change the world, right? We're, we're started out of, like I just said, you know, loss and devastation, mm. the loss of Ali Fournay. And we're started with this, you know, steadfast, focus from our founder to change lives and it's so powerful uh so for me the the, the lesson is you know how powerful w what a universe and constellation of, of opportunity and, and potential we all have within us to change the world to make a difference and um to heal ourselves and prevent others from having to heal you know it's it's so beautiful it's so powerful that you yeah. can do that that one person created this organization that's now an international movement and so many of our causes so much of our work is based on someone not accepting that the world could be this damaging for for anyone else you know yeah in decades later still leaving an impact right which is amazing, yeah. you know, and I know you also are a board member at the Born This Way Foundation as well. How did you get your start there too? And if you could explain to people watching, what's the kind of work you do there if they're not familiar? Sure, I'm on the board of uh, the Born This Way Foundation. Born This Way Foundation was, was founded by uh, Lady Gaga and her mom, Cynthia Germanata, mm -hmm. in response to the need for safe braver courageous spaces that centered kindness kindness to of community mm -hmm. and kindness to self and that um centered mental health as as an experience that young people have that centered normalizing of conversations for young people and that use such a powerful platform for good right you know the the founders of born this way didn't have to do what they've set out to do completely to have this audacious thought of like making the world a braver kinder space or place um and the work has evolved it's interesting because we had a board meeting recently and the the comment was we didn't know what we set out to do we we, we set out to understand what we needed to understand so that we could understand what we needed to do and in doing so, the organization centered the voices of young people through channel kindness, uh, through a, a storytellers program, through listening to community, to having youth advocates. And it's carved this path that's never been set before. It, it's you know pioneered a new day for what it means to help young people uh, in a, in a peer-led way. And um, the foundation operates around the world with uh, very specific programs and interventions um, from uh, team mental health first aid trainings to mm -hmm. um, advocacy and storytelling uh, to working within school systems to disrupt uh, bullying um, and through even helping people understand kindness in the small ways that kindness 
can can shape your day through a program called uh, Be Kind 21, which launches 21 Days of Kindness in September and and at any time, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and um, the foundation also invests in communities through a, a grant program. Uh, there are actually a couple of grant programs. There are pride-specific grant programs for LGBT organizations, um, particularly organizations with smaller budgets that need uh, investment of this kind. Uh, and then through a, a broader uh, application process for all organizations and, and recently completed a very, very, very hefty and generous funding cycle that um, will only expand next year. And at the core of this work, it's back to this audacity to believe that you can change the yep. world for good and the power that one person, two people together from their own personal lived experiences have come to have set out to do. And um, it's something I'm very proud of. I'm, I'm on the board. I'm a board secretary. Uh, became involved with the work after Lady Gaga visited uh, our shelter a few years ago and, and became connected to the foundation. And I was invited to join after some time of, of volunteering and spending time together and, and really just in gratitude to the to the foundation. Um, and it's wild to think about the work and, and the impact that the foundation has made. Yeah. What does Gaga herself and her mother bring to the Born This Way Foundation? Because they look so present in it. And it's not just those like, celebrity charities that everyone starts in the peak of their career just to make themselves look good like i see the work and i'm like yeah this resembles gaga's message completely so how do they show up themselves you know it's uh it's what you see uh there 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 is no 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 change from behind the scenes it's 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 a steadfast laser focused commitment to Mm -hmm. youth and to systems that engage youth uh, for the betterment of 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 the systems of yeah. the, the world and and um more than anything it's kind of like a challenge right i think they both bring a challenge to the staff and a challenge to the board and a challenge to the community to think about and to develop and implement change in in this. And the, if, if you follow any of the channels or, or, or the reporters, the channel kindness reporters, you understand profoundly the space that's been created by this challenge that 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 um, Lady Gaga and her mother Cynthia have created. And it's um, it's this superhuman ability and confidence in knowing that there will be change and there has been change uh, especially as the as your the foundation celebrates its 10th anniversary yeah i was gonna say the concept of born this way foundation being you know talking about kindness bravery mental health i found it very ahead of its time when it started you know now the topic of mental health is being talked about or it's more common whereas before it was much more taboo and she started at a time where people weren't really even just talking about borderline and you know just generalized anxiety that's you right know? yeah and, and, crazy and, to think about that yeah and i, I 10 years already yeah I, and i take it a step further to know it's like it was that audacity and that presence and, and yeah. her and using her platform in this way that i i firmly believe has created that this dialogue this international dialogue around this and all through the different concert tours, um, they've centered the foundation and the mm-hmm. work and the community, and uh, in, in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, and even the the, fa- the the tours have have you know supported and and like fostered and created those communities of kindness. And um, you're right. I I, I don't I, I can't think of a, another celebrity founded or foundation that really connects their platform and their art and their work into the foundation work right it's like it is absolutely connected yeah even at her tours and i've been to plenty over the years since the foundation started as i get to every venue of every single gaga show i'm about to see i see a born brave bus before i see you know the merch stand or the merch bus they have outside the stadium at the chromatica ball like i saw and i'm just like still here that's amazing yeah you know and the fact that that's 
the first thing people see when they get to the show. So not only are they going to have a good time, but they actually have the opportunity to do something good for their community or just the person right next to them. That's right. You know, That's right. I was getting to MetLife Stadium and I see the bus and we were running around. We were trying to find our friends and whatnot. And I saw it and I couldn't go up to it, unfortunately. But it just kind of reminded me. I was like, be cool today. You know, like it may be crazy. There may be traffic leaving, but be kind to the next person. Yeah. It's not that deep. Yeah, it's that pause. Um, and and how, what, how beautiful, right? That, that. Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing it could kind of instill that yeah. lesson in to me, you know. And I wanted to go back to AFC real quick and talk about um, HIV education and protection because I know we're losing funding in those programs. So how important is funding when it comes to those programs? And how important is HIV protection and education important still in 2022? You know, HIV is still very real. Still, yeah. And and our community has shifted, thankfully and mercifully, because of, you know, the advances in, in, in therapeutic and, and, and medicinal technologies mm. that, that have have. have saved lives and have you know suppressed viral loads and have created you know a more uh, a, a, a very safe barrier through through prep and truvada right um however it's still very much a, a, a virus that you can be exposed to yeah and there's still stigma and there's still you know so many lives that were lost during our pandemic i'm sorry during the the aids epidemic mm -hmm. and um it's incredibly important that we don't forget our communities and for and again back to my earlier point like our history yeah. this is where we come from like this shaped our community the, yeah. the lives that were lost the, the pathways the futures that were lost through aids and, and the hiv crisis can't 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 be forgotten it's you know at least not in our lifetime or in the lifetime thereafter so you know we've suffered a lot as an organization because of the loss of hiv funding um we actually we we had shelters um that were funded through hiv funding and when 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 the health community created better support and better medicine and 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 ways to save lives funding stopped they just started saying yeah. young people aren't dying from hiv they're not dying from aids and they started to discontinue funding and uh it's very it's very damaging that how quickly funding was eliminated for for youth programs as it relates to hiv um so we do a lot of education we do a lot of testing we do a lot of uh we have a lot of conversation we have a hiv program and and, and support for our clients and and we also educate our clients on the history and work to destigmatize HIV because um, there still is stigma and there still is, um, mm -hmm. you know, misgiving uh, that folks experience uh, who are living with HIV. Yeah. Where's the stigma of those who might have HIV AIDS? Where does that stigma stick now currently in 2022? You know, I, I, I can speak to the experience of, of some of, our young people in our programs mm -hmm. and what I understand from our support groups and, 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 and the happenings at AFC. And, and that is, you know, for some culturally HIV is very stigmatized still. And, and there's a lot of, uh, still miseducation. Like, you know, we, we, we had a young uh, client who came to AFC recently, um, 17 years old, had never had, um, uh, sex, or, or any kind of exposure yeah. and had been his family used HIV as a, as a, as a weapon. And they're saying, Oh, you're gay. You have HIV. You're going to die of AIDS. And they would show him videos and pictures of people dying of AIDS. And, um, this young boy who'd never been exposed, um, comes to this work, you know, in this panic and in this fear and, and almost suicidal because of what they were told. So it, it's weaponized and it's used by homophobic and transphobic people. There's still, yeah. you know, folks who, who associate homosexuality and, and with um, AIDS and HIV as, a, as an immediate, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 I grew up in a, you know, relatively homophobic, transphobic environment. And I remember when, when my godmother found out that I was gay I am gay. She, 
she separated my eating utensils from the rest of the family. And um, really? yeah, she would wash she would wash my dishes um, with gloves on. And I remember like it, it just it, it, that's just when I was sixteen, you know, over got over twenty something years ago. Did. <laughs> and I still remember this, did. you know, and um, it, that has not changed culturally. Some folks still weaponize HIV and AIDS and use it as as like a, as a way of, as an expression of their hate. Yeah. Yeah. And almost like that's going to reverse anything either, you know, and I have a similar experience as well. When I was coming out, I came out when I was 20 and I, you know, we, we show signs of our queerness as we grow up. We are who we are, but I really started kind of expressing who I am more confidently towards being 18, 19, 20. And a few of my family members, one of them being one of, that is very close to me, we're great now and everything. They did the same thing. They would weaponize HIV AIDS against me and use that almost as like the last preventative measure. Right. Yeah. For me to, to come out. You. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And even more to that point, we had a relative who we lost to HIV AIDS. It was my uncle on my dad's side. He was, from what we know, he was a queer Egyptian male. He never got a chance to come out and he passed during the AIDS so pandemic. Sorry. It's all good. And yeah. And so they would just kind of allude and just be like, oh, well, you know what happened to so-and-so? And I'm just like, what does that have to do? And yeah. same thing. I was young. I was a kid. And it's just so disgusting. It's just so disgusting. Even when we're talking about religion and how we use these things to weaponize the way people are. They're completely separate. A disease that happens genetically and scientifically does not have any type of relation to who the person is sexually and who they identify as same way as their sexual identity and who they love and who they sleep with doesn't relate any way possible to the laws of religion. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah. it's, it's wild. So even for you to share that, I appreciate that. Yeah. Cause I feel very seen in that moment, but um, I don't want to hold you any longer, but I want to ask you a few more questions. What's the impact you want to leave on not just AFC, not just Born This Way Foundation, but years from now, what's one thing you want to look back on the work you've done and be like, I hope I did that, or I hope I accomplished that for people? You know, I'll be honest, I I, 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 I live in impact. I, I, I yeah. live in, in the legacy of, of, of the work that I've had the opportunity to, but it's not me, it's, it's this community and movement that I'm a part of that gets to do this right mm -hmm. i know the world is better because of the work that i'm a part of right? yeah uh and the work that um we do at the la Forney center the work we do at born this way foundation and the work we do as a, as a people and as a community that there's a movement of us and yeah. we exist and I, I wish there was like a badge or a sign or like a spiritual aura that you can see when you would see another when you identify another person mm -hmm. who's, who's, who's um fortunate to be able to do this work yeah. Uh, and capable of doing this work. Um, so the, the, uh, the impact is, you know, affirming that it is unacceptable to be denied love, to be rejected, to be thrown into the streets, affirming that it's unacceptable to be silenced in, in your mental health issue, issue is such an ugly word, that you're, that, that, that you're silenced in your mental yeah. health experience, that you're, you know, affirm that, it is unacceptable to be silenced in in in, in bullying and hatred that you're experiencing, uh, affirming that there's a beautiful world and, and and human experience out there for every one of us to to have, and um, I, I believe I've been able to do that with my work and continue to do that, and it's a cycle that will go on forever, and we will always work, and and, and I hope that others will come after me and follow the the work that we've done. Yeah, and. You could see your passion, just know that. You know, when I was talking to Devdo earlier this week, who also works at the AFC as well, she was just like, you're going to love Alex. He He's a dreamer. That's the one word they kept on repeating. Alex is a dreamer. And I see it. You know, you have that sparkle in your eyes when you talk about benefiting other people, specifically our community. So I just really appreciate that it comes from a genuine place. Yeah. And just know that it's working and you're doing that. Hopefully you know that already. Thank but you. maybe I could serve as a reminder <laughs> to so. But how can people at home who are watching help? Say they can't get to the center physically and 
all they have is their computer and their phone. How can they help? You know, we all have the opportunity to help, uh, to have an impact. Uh, you know, we, we, we learned how to go to school from home. We learned how to work from home. Mm -hmm. and, and we can learn how to help from home, too. Uh, there are so many ways to volunteer, not just at the Ali Forney Center. So yeah. many organizations, so many causes need us. And um, it's a matter of, of, of contacting, of being brave, of, of reaching out, of understanding what get involved sections or volunteer sections are on sites. And, and you don't need to be a part of any organization to be kind, um, yeah. to, to speak kindness. Uh, start with yourself. Be kind and good to yourself and, and, and to others and learn what acts of kindness you can do. Uh, every day in your community to start changing the world around you. Uh, you know, however, change the world within if you want to change the world around you, right? So, so change how you view yourself and understand that you're a vehicle of change and a power of, of making a difference in somebody else's life and everyone can help. Amazing. And my last question, I want to end it on the man who created this all. What impact has Ali Forney left and continues to leave? You know, Ali Fournay lived a courageous life of struggle and rejection and, and fallen into systems of oppression against black folks, against queer folks, uh, against homeless folks, and lived with passion and conviction and full of life in spite of how much life he'd been denied. And... Um, I truly believe that Ali's spirit lives within our work and within the so many other organizations and causes that center black queer folks, that center homeless folks, that center homeless young people. And in so many ways, Ali Fournay, you know, is a movement, you know, that has changed the world and will continue to change the world. The fact that we have a shelter in Warsaw, Poland as a partner organization with Ali's name as, as the, the, the board organization of, of getting that shelter off the ground. The fact that we travel the world in his name, that, that we, we connect and, and honor him and, and, and homeless young people because of him is, is incredibly powerful and profound and something that, um, is a movement. I, I, I can't think of a, of a better life, of a, of, a, of a better way of describing Ali's life and who he is and, and, and what he's done for the world and what will continue to do to the world in his name. Amazing. Well, thank you for not only coming here, talk with me, taking time out of your day for coming, stopping by, and all that you do. People really appreciate it. And being a part of the community and doing amazing things for us, we appreciate it a lot. And Seeing you is a very inspiring. Yeah. yeah, and I learned a lot. So hopefully everybody did watching. I know they did. And we'll continue to chat, keep up, work together. Hopefully I would love any way possible to help. I have all the time in the world. I would love to contribute some way. That's amazing. Thank you so much for having okay. me and for helping to tell our story. It's so, so important for all the story that you helped to bring uh, and to tell. So it's thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, everybody, that's that. And... Thank you again for coming, Alex Roque. And we'll see y'all next week for another episode. Thanks for coming.